You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, we're continuing our series in the letter of James. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to the letter of James, which comes after the book of Hebrews and before the first letter of Peter in the New Testament. We're nearly at the end of the series now, but uh, I think there's at least one more to go. And today we're in chapter 5, and we're going to be beginning at verse 7. But uh, before, we, before I read that, I just want to remind you of where we left it the last time when Matt was talking to us about the whole business of our responsibilities um, in terms of how we deal with riches and our careers and abilities and all the rest of it. And in chapter 5 of James, at the beginning, there was a warning about the importance of social justice, basically. A warning against those people who were hoarding wealth and riches in the last days and were actually oppressing the poor. And um, so basically, we're, we're presented there with a picture of the world as it is, with a great deal of injustice, a great deal of inequality, a great deal of oppression and, and um, bad behavior. And then it finishes up by saying, while talking about these, these um, rich oppressors, as they're called in my translation, and you have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Basically there we get that picture of people who are being unjustly condemned, even murdered. And of course there we have a very clear picture of how they treated Jesus and for the people to whom James is writing back in the first century AD, for the Christians to whom he was writing, many of them likewise were finding themselves unjustly oppressed and persecuted. That is the background to what we're about to read. So in chapter 5 and verse 7, we start with, Be patient, therefore, brothers, and sisters until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. Oh, I've lost my, sorry. Yes, here we are. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. 
otherwise you will be condemned. So in the light of what we read in the first few verses of James about the, a world in which there's oppression and injustice, we find that here is James issuing a call to the people of God for patience and endurance in an unfair world. And he gives us three particular examples of what he means by this. One is the farmer, one is the prophets, and the other is Job. And there's a lot to teach us in those in various different circumstances. Let's look first at the farmer. This is all about normal life. James is writing in a society where most people were farming. And even today, it is very true, farmers have a very hard life because it never lets up. When my brother was getting married to his, uh, well, to, who is now my sister-in-law, this is 38 years ago, so it stood the test of time quite well. But uh, they were living up in Scotland. They'd both been at Edinburgh University, and that's where they'd met. And um, they were getting married up in Scotland. If you know anything about the climate in Scotland, you will know that it's colder than here. And although it is very, very beautiful when the sun shines, it is cold and they get an awful lot of rain. And the one month you would not pick for your wedding if you want lovely photos and sunshine is November. My brother got married in November because his future wife's father was a farmer. And the only time available for him to be available to walk his daughter down the aisle for a wedding was in November, because by then the potato harvest was in. And the other crops were sort of at a stage or perhaps not quite in. But anyway, there's a bit of a lull in November. So my sister-in-law, in her lovely white dress, was married on a day when it bucketed with rain the whole day long. But you see, farmers have to be working. And so you have to wait for a lull for anything else to happen. It's normal life. And he says, look at how patient the farmer is. He has to sow his seed, and for that he needs the early rains. It talks about the, um, the early and late rains here. In that country in particular, the early rains arrive around the autumn time, as we would call it, and the late rains come around the springtime, as we would call it. And basically, with the autumn rains, that's when the ground is softened up and the seed can be sown and can germinate. And when it comes to the spring rains, the latter rains, that's when the harvest, the wheat harvest in particular, will come to fruition and the crops will, will ripen to the point of being ready to reap. 
and in between the crops have to be tended and looked after and there's a barley crop in between. All sorts of things happen and that farmer is going to be very busy and he has to be very patient because between sowing his seed and reaping it, there is a very long gap. And that's our normal state, folks, between the seed being sown in our hearts and in the world, the seed of the kingdom of God, there's a long gap because between the first and the second coming of Jesus, he did warn people in his parables that there would be a long gap. You notice all those ones about, you know, the master going away and being away a long time and servants in the meantime having a job to do. So he was warning there'd be a long time. And I'll tell you, it's been a lot longer than James thought in his day or than any of them were expecting. They didn't realize that by long he meant long even though, according to the book of Revelation, he's coming soon, which tells you that God's time scale and ours is very different. His idea of soon may not be ours. The one thing we do know is the harvest is coming, that Jesus is returning. We don't know when, but we know he's returning because he promised to do so and he always keeps his promises. But in the meantime, we have to wait and be patient like the farmer, you watch the signs, you see what's coming, and, and you respond to the, the season you're in, but you have to be patient. How many of you experience the fact that patience is not easy, especially since the sort of circumstances in which you have to exercise patience are the ones which naturally tend to bring out our feelings of impatience. If I'm in a hurry to get somewhere and all the traffic lights are red, that means I have to exercise patience. But how many of you know that your instinctive reaction as you see the light turning red may not be, okay, Lord, I'll wait. That's a trivial example, but it, it explains what I mean. The times we need to be patient, it is often very difficult. So how does this farmer get on with it? This is, this is the situation we're faced. It's normal everyday life. He works. He does his job. He gets on. Because if he doesn't, when the harvest time comes, there won't be a harvest. And it's interesting what James throws into the middle of that particular bit. He talks about, you know, the farmer being patient and everything. He says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now you might think, hang on, we've suddenly switched. We're talking about patience, waiting for the Lord's coming. The next thing you know, he's saying, don't grumble at each other. That's because in the meantime, we are his people. The seed he has planted in our hearts is growing and we need to be nurturing it. That applies to us as individuals. It applies to us as a body together, as the people of God. 
working together, living together, encouraging each other, nurturing the seed that's planted in each other's hearts. Don't grumble against each other. Now, does any church really need to hear this? Oh, we never grumble against people, do we? We don't moan and complain when they get on our nerves. We don't get impatient with them just because they're, you know, being a little difficult to live with at the moment. And, and when things are just not going our way, or did we actually need to hear that? He's saying, as the people of God, watch how you behave with each other. Treat each other properly. Be patient with each other. It's good practice for waiting for the Lord's coming. And while you are doing that, that fruit of patience, which is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, if you look in Galatians, that fruit of patience will be growing in your heart because patience, to switch the metaphor, is one of those things like muscles. It grows by exercise. So drop the critical judgmental spirit is what he's saying. Stop looking out at other people's faults and start building each other up because you never know how much longer before that harvest as the judge is standing at the door. And if you want to be ready to meet him and able to meet him with joy instead of feeling, oh, I've let you down, the first thing you need to do is in your just normal everyday circumstances, start exercising patience, especially with other people. You notice um, the last time I was preaching on the James series, it was all about the problem of the tongue. And we talked about how actually what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what's in our hearts. So if the fruit of patience is growing in our hearts, what's coming out of our mouth should be not grumbling but patience. But it doesn't just stop there. This bit about endurance. As an ex as you, um, here we are. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And you remember Job and all the troubles he went through. This is a bit different. This is when life gets tough. It's not just the normal ups and downs of average life. This is when things begin to go wrong. Those prophets, if you look back through your Old Testament, you'll find that this was not an uncommon feature Elijah spoke the word of the Lord and the king tried to get him killed. We have Jeremiah again speaking the word of the Lord to his people, warning them that if they don't stop what they're doing and start getting their act together, they're going to end up with their city being destroyed and them being carried off into exile. And what happened to Jeremiah? They tried to kill him, they threw him into a well at one point, they persecuted him, they told him to stop speaking. You find it again, Hosea, when God gave him the word, he was speaking out of the tragedy of his own personal circumstances. We find it, it's a repeating theme. 
Those people who were sent with the word of the Lord to his people were not always very well received. In fact, they're usually not that well received because they're saying the things that nobody wants to hear. The things that will challenge me, the things that mean I have to change, I may not be happy to hear that. I want to hear a nice word. But then, as it also says in the Old Testament, you know, the false prophets will say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. The true prophet is the one who speaks the truth. And in response to the truth, you can begin to see the blessing of God coming. So they were, they were men who were persecuted even by their own people. But they were not put off when people opposed them. They didn't stop speaking because people didn't want to hear what they had to say. They continued to do that even though the personal cost to them was high. For some of them it cost them their lives. For many of them it cost them the things that most people value most. And he is speaking here to people who are under pressure and opposition and seeing their brothers and sisters in that situation too. So he's saying in the face of trouble and difficulty and opposition and perhaps hatred, carry on enduring with patience Carry on letting the fruit of the Spirit grow in your heart. And then it may even be, when we get to thinking about Job, it may even be that there's actually a direct spiritual attack going on here. If you know the book of Job, you'll know that actually in the, um, in the first part of it, it tells us there's a conversation going on in the heavenly court between God and Satan. And Satan has demanded to have Job. Satan is trying to prove that Job's only good because he knows which side his bed's buttered. And God allows Job to be tempted and, and pressured and oppressed by Satan. Job loses everything as you will know if you've read the book. But yet, Job did not curse God. Job did not stop being a godly man, even when his friends and comforters were anything but friendly or comforting and said, it must be your fault, you must have done something wrong. And there are long, long speeches in that book about it. But... Job persevered and in the end is blessed for his right response to the troubles he was facing and for the fact that he still maintains, no, God is just. I don't know why this is happening, but no, it isn't because I've done something wrong, nor is it because God isn't good. And out of that, Job comes to know God an awful lot better. In fact, at the end, when he finally meets with God, he says, you know, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And therefore, I repent in dust and ashes, he says. In other words, now I see you, suddenly the whole picture begins to make sense. But you see, he didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. So here is James saying to people, when, humanly speaking, you're being um, oppressed, opposed, 
And even though there may be things you don't even understand what's going on, he says, keep trusting God because you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And uh, as I was saying, was it, was it the last time I was preaching? You know, that actually, um, oh yes, it was when I was talking about Joseph. You know, the devil must be so frustrated because all his best schemes, God turns it round and uses them for his purpose. The cross was the devil's masterstroke. God turns it into his greatest victory. So basically, keep persevering, he says. And interestingly, he's back to what comes out of our mouth again. He says, keep honouring perseverance because we know the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Here's James jumping again down to the practicality. So what does this look like? And I believe that here we're seeing the contrast between the Christ-like response in these circumstances and the natural human one. Back in verse six, it talked about um, these oppressive tyrannical people. He says, you have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. We see that totally exemplified in Jesus. The one who was perfectly innocent, perfectly righteous, and yet the, the powerful ones, the ones who had a lot to lose if they were going to follow the things he was saying, they conspired to have him murdered. And yet he did not retaliate. And we saw it with Stephen, the first Christian martyr. He stoned to death. And the prayer on his lips as he dies is, Lord, do not lay this sin to their charge. You see, he's forgiving his enemies. And for these people around uh, that, that James talking about, they're suffering in lots of different ways and having lots of difficulties. But he's saying, don't start getting vengeful about it. So we have there the example of Jesus being worked out in his people I'll tell you where, the, where we'll see the other picture. And sadly, it was a picture in Jesus, one of his dearest friends. As Jesus was in the judgment hall and Peter is outside by the fire listening. Peter, who just an hour or two earlier had said to Jesus, I will never forsake you. I'm ready to go to prison with you. I'm ready to die for you. And, a little, and while Jesus is facing Pilate calmly, Peter is facing a little serving girl who says, you were one of them, weren't you? No, don't know the man. And then again later, three times Peter is challenged, but you're one of his followers, aren't you? And by the end of it, it says he started calling down curses on himself, saying, no, I don't know the man. In other words, he's bringing in swearing and cursing and oaths to convince them, no, I'm nothing to do with him. Because you see, if you're in terrible danger, it's a fairly normal human reaction in fallen human beings 
to do everything you can to try and convince people of what you want them to believe at this point. And so they start this sort of, I swear on my mother's grave, I swear on my son's life, I swear on this, that or the other, and it'll be, you know, or whether I'm swearing by God or by whatever. Actually, if you need to do that, I rather call into question whether your word is generally trustworthy. If you're known to be truthful, you don't need to start calling all these things to, to witness of, in order, please believe me. Actually, for a Christian, as Jesus said to them, he says, don't swear, he said. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's back in the Sermon on the Mount. In other words, speak the truth all the time and continue to be the person you are by the power of the Holy Spirit, whatever the circumstance may be. And I say it's interesting that the only real example we have of people calling down curses and swearing in the New Testament is Peter himself. And we know that when he suddenly realized what he'd done, how broken he was, and how amazing it was when he was finally restored and the next time we sort of see him in public, as it were, he's standing in the square and he doesn't care who puts him in prison, he doesn't care who crucifies him, he is declaring that Jesus Christ is his Lord and Saviour. So again, what's on the inside comes out through the mouth. And if our hearts are growing in patience, then we shouldn't be people who are always grumbling and impatient with other people. And if we're growing in our obedience to Christ, in the kingdom coming in us, there will be times when it's costly. And you know, for many Christians around this world today, they are literally in jail or in threat of their safety and their life, and certainly of their prosperity, their livelihood, whatever, but they're still enduring because they're living in the light of the fact that Jesus is coming back. And we are going to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We are going to see the day when everybody will know that the kingdom and the power and the glory are his. And that's the day we're looking forward to. That's the day we're preparing for. And in the light of that, we need to be allowing the Spirit to make us the people who at his coming will reflect his glory back to him because of the fruit that has borne its harvest in our lives.